0: Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Salvation, Based on the Word of God, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, we are now on Twitter for a social media account similar to our old account on Diaspora. The Diaspora servers went down and have never come back up. As a result, we have moved on. While Twitter offers less than Diaspora did for content, That is fine since we are using social media to point you to our content elsewhere. I hope you all enjoy this new edition. You can visit our public page, which is linked on the second line of our show notes. So, to be clear, a Twitter account is not required to see our posts. May God bless you all. In our last episode titled, Salvation, Based on the Word of God, Part 1, March 6th. we found that reminding others of things they forget is a good thing. However, here in America, this is lost in many cases, if not totally. We learned that reminding others of biblical things they forget is to be considered an essential service. What causes it to be well under-received, if at all, these days, is not knowing what needs reminding. Many people here in America do this about things that are not forgotten. This just makes what a person has to say unwanted. The church body of one pastor will forget many things that another church body, under the charge of another pastor, will not forget. A pastor, knowing the body he serves, must realize... To find out more, listen to our episode in our series titled, Salvation Based on the Word of God, Part 1. Today, our scripture reads, For we did not follow cleverly concocted fables when we made known to you the power and return of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, we were eyewitnesses of his grandeur. For he received honor and glory from God the Father, when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory. This is my dear Son, in whom I am delighted. When this voice was conveyed from heaven, we ourselves heard it, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic word as an altogether reliable thing, You do well if you pay attention to this as you would to a light shining in a murky place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you do well if you recognize this. No prophecy of Scripture ever comes about by the prophet's own imagination, for no prophecy was ever born of human impulse. Rather, Men carried along by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, from Second Peter chapter one, verses sixteen through twenty one Verse sixteen starts with this: For we did not follow cleverly concocted fables or cunningly devised fables, that is, fictions or stories invented by artful men and resting on no solid foundation. The doctrines which they held about the coming of the Savior were not like many of the opinions of the Greeks, defended by weak and sophisticated reasoning, but were based on solid evidence, evidence furnished by the personal observation of competent witnesses. The practical point referred to here is the promised coming of the Savior from Barnes' New Testament notes. Notice how Peter opened this sentence. He is reassuring who he is communicating to that he, as well as others of the disciples, have not cleverly concocted, cunningly devised fables. today. We would simply call such a person a liar, even possibly a deceiver. This is what Peter is saying he, and others like him, are not. Peter spoke of things that was based on solid evidence. That evidence was furnished by the personal observation of competent witnesses such as himself. The particular point at hand was the promised coming of the Savior. Do we not do this today with elements of our history, no matter where we live? Of course we do. We read history of things, places, and people to learn about the things past to better make our present day and future for our children who will grow into that future. There is no changing the fact. We are our children's foundation for their future. How well we succeed as their foundation determines how well they succeed in planning for their children's future. But I digress. Notice further. While we made known to you the power and coming, that is, the powerful coming of Christ in glory, But if what they advanced of Christ was not true, if it was their own invention, then to impose such a lie on the world as it was in the very nature of things above all human power to defend and to do this at the expense of life and all things only to enrage the whole world. Jews, and Gentiles against them, was no cunning, but was the greatest folly that men could have been guilty of. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. The dividing lines become more noticeable. On one side, we have Peter and other witnesses of Christ. On the other side, we have lies, cunning, cleverly concocted fables about the truth. Notice what happened in Peter's day. It enraged the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike. While discontent is expressed when a person is lied to these days, when they succumb to cunning and or cleverly concocted fables about the truth with anything in America, people are seldom held accountable for this act unless it is criminal and or involves a reasonable sum of money, at least in some way. This means there are many ways, today, people can be taken advantage of by those who lie, are cunning, and or use cleverly concocted stories and call it all truth. Today, we even see that people use a cunning mix of truth and lies to form a story about something where only half of it, at best, is actually real truth. Here in America, the larger the item is for sale, the more one can run into this kind of thing. Not everyone is this way. However, there are enough of these people to go around so that someone, somewhere, is taken advantage of and the person never knows it until it is too late. Frequently, Someone who has been taken advantage of in this way is without recourse. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a way to know beforehand that something was not right despite what is being presented to us? With our lives in Christ, there is. But I am getting off track again. Notice how this verse ends. We were eyewitnesses of his grandeur. In another translation, it reads, We witnessed his majesty with our own eyes. So, Peter is talking from experience and not from cunning and or cleverly concocted lies called fables here. Peter actually saw what he is telling us here in his writings. Nothing is contrived by Peter. Some people drive a wedge into the heart of modern men and women, making it much more difficult to believe what Peter is saying is actually true. If you or I see some amazing thing today, we write it down so it is documented. Will someone else believe what we wrote today, a hundred years from now? That is up for grabs at best. Verse 17 reads, For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory. This is my dear Son in whom I am delighted. Some versions read, This is my dear Son in whom I am well pleased. For he received divine honor and inexpressible glory shining from heaven above the brightness of the sun. When there came such a voice from the excellent glory, that is, from God the Father. From John Wesley's notes on the Bible. This demonstrated that he was the Messiah. Those who heard that voice could not doubt this. They never did afterwards doubt. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Let's make those passages a bit more clear by putting them into one quote. For he received divine honor and inexpressible glory, shining from heaven above the brightness of the sun, when there came such a voice from the excellent glory that is from God the Father. This demonstrated that he was the Messiah. Those who heard that voice could not doubt this, They never did, afterwards, doubt. Even though, from two different sources, it sounds very clear when expressed this way. Imagine the shining glory of the Father being above the brightness of the sun. Today, that is all we can do, is imagine a heavenly brightness that is significantly brighter than the sun. That is the light of the Father in heaven. Then, we are told, this demonstrated that he, Jesus, was the Messiah, and those who heard that voice could not doubt this. We also know that those who saw this event never doubted afterwards either. This is one of the many reasons why the story of Jesus and the Holy Bible have lived so long after Jesus went home to make a place for us. Verse 18 reads, When this voice was conveyed from heaven, we ourselves heard it, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Therein is the reason why Peter, James, and John heard the voice of the Father in heaven. They were with Jesus on the holy mountain, eyewitnesses of what was seen and heard the voice of God, the Father, the presence of God the Father in the air. Moreover, we possess the prophetic word as an altogether reliable thing. You do well if you pay attention to this as you would a light shining in a murky place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. There can be no doubt that the Apostle refers here to what is contained in the Old Testament. For, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, he speaks of the prophecy as that which was spoken in old time by men that were moved by the Holy Ghost. The point to which the prophecies related, and to which Peter referred, was the great doctrine respecting the coming of the Messiah embracing perhaps all that pertained to his work, or all that he designed to do by his advent. They had one illustrious proof respecting his advent as a glorious savior by his transfiguration on the mount, and the apostle here says that the prophecies abounded with truths on these points, and that they ought to give earnest heed to the disclosures which they made, and to compare them diligently with facts as they occurred, that they might be confirmed more and more in the truth. If, however, as the more obvious sense of this passage seems to be, and as many suppose to be the correct interpretation, see Doddridge and Professor Stewart on the Canon of the Old Testament, page 329. It means that the prophecy was more sure, more steadfast, more to be depended on than even what the three disciples had seen and heard in the Mount of Transfiguration. This may be regarded as true in the following respects. 1. The prophecies are numerous, and by their number they furnish a stronger proof than could be afforded by a single manifestation, however clear and glorious. 2. They were recorded and might be subject of careful comparison with the events as they occurred. 3. They were written long beforehand, and it could not be urged that the testimony which the prophets bore was owing to any illusion on their minds or to any agreement among the different writers to impose on the world. Though Peter regarded the testimony which he and James and John bore to the glory of the Savior, from what they saw on the holy mount, as strong and clear confirmation that he was the Son of God. Yet he could not but be aware that it might be suggested by a cavalier that they might have agreed to impose on others, or that they might have been dazzled and deceived by some natural phenomenon occurring there. 4. Even supposing that there was a miracle in the case, the evidence of the prophecies, embracing many points in the same general subject, and extending through a long series of years, would be more satisfactory than any single miracle whatever. The general meaning is that the fact that he had come as the Messiah was disclosed in the mount by such a manifestation of his glory and of what he would be that they who saw it could not doubt it. The same thing the apostle says was more fully shown also in the prophecies and these prophecies demanded their close and prolonged attention from Barnes' New Testament notes. While there is a lot here to examine, notice this point from item 1. The prophecies are numerous, and by their number they furnish a stronger proof than could be afforded by a single manifestation, however clear and glorious. We can see that there is a host of prophecies Not a single prophecy, or a few, but a numerous number of prophecies. Studying these prophecies, both fulfilled and yet to be fulfilled, is a real value for the children of God to do. With a prophetic understanding, we can see that the end of things is close, and getting closer with every passing day. Now, it is not just the latest variant of coronavirus, but, It is the ugly war in Ukraine, which could go nuclear if things go even more bad than they are right now. The question we should be asking is, where does all this fit in biblical prophecy? The problem with the answer to that question is the fact that biblical prophecy for us today can be very cryptic reading and sounding when spoken. The problem here is not having the words to express what you see prophetically. How could anyone relating the prophecy they saw of things we have in commonplace and in common words for today call them the same thing we call them? In biblical times, one might prophesy about war helicopters as locusts. This is why we today trouble with interpreting biblical prophecy just because we have trouble interpreting biblical prophecy does not mean it is not true we need to be earnest to ourselves and put forth a solid effort to interpret biblical prophecy accurately now notice item 4 even supposing that there was a miracle in the case the evidence of the prophecies embracing many points in the same general subject and extending through a long series of years would be more satisfactory than any single miracle whatever. The general meaning is that the fact that he had come as the Messiah was disclosed in the mount by such a manifestation of his glory and of what he would be that they who saw it could not doubt it. The same thing the apostle says was more fully shown also in the prophecies, and these prophecies demanded their closure and prolonged attention. Now, more closely notice, even supposing that there was a miracle in the case, the evidence of the prophecies, embracing many points in the same general subject, and extending through a long series of years would be more satisfactory than any single miracle whatever. We can see that many miracles tell a stronger story than any single miracle, regardless of how great that single miracle is perceived by those who see it or experience it in some other way than seeing it. Now. Notice further, the general meaning is that the fact that he had come as the Messiah was disclosed in the Mount by such a manifestation of his glory and of what he would be that they who saw it could not doubt it. The same thing the Apostle says was more fully shown also in the prophecies, and these prophecies demanded their close and prolonged attention. In closing, notice these three things said here. One, they who saw it could not doubt it. We can see that Peter, James, and John had no doubt, and scripture told us that ensuing future doubt did not come with the passing of time as can happen to modern men and women today. Two, The same thing the Apostle says was more fully shown also in the prophecies. Notice how this event had a fuller showing in prophecy before it happened. This gives the event with Jesus on the mount very strong and conclusive evidence before it happened. Today, when an important event happens that leaves us with questions, We backfill such an event with positive evidence to support that event. The difference here is, the evidence was presented before the event happened regarding Jesus. This is how biblical prophecy works. It is how the gift of prophecy today works. Prophecy is a forewarning of something to come or a foretelling of something to come. In either case, it can be something grand and great or something not so grand and great that we should be warned about ahead of time. 3. These prophecies demanded their close and prolonged attention. Notice what is said here. Two things. These prophecies demanded their close. Or we might say today that they demanded their closure. Their close was by the fulfillment of them. Yet, they also demanded prolonged attention, meaning the attention given these prophecies over the days and times to come well past the day they were spoken. With that said, Scripture tells us also, above all, You do well if you recognize this. No prophecy of Scripture ever comes about by the prophet's own imagination, for no prophecy was ever born of human impulse. Rather, men carried along by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Next week, we will study The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 1. What does Peter mean when he says, These false teachers will infiltrate your midst with destructive heresies, even to the point of denying the Master who bought them? To find out, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or. Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurchedsite m At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.